This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Sun Basket, which delivers delicious meal kits right to your door, making healthy cooking easy and convenient for any busy family. To save $35 off your first order and to learn more, just head to sunbasket.com slash spawned. That's sunbasket.com slash spawned and save $35 off your first order. Hello and welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hi, I'm Liz Gumbiner, and along with my co-host Kristen Chase, we're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. Alas, Kristen is out this week, but not all is lost. We have an amazing guest on today's episode of Spawned. I'm going to be talking to Heather Cabot about women and tech and why no one is allowed to make jokes anymore about how moms don't know how to text. And as always, we'll close out our show with our cool picks of the week. So first, a little bit about Heather. Now, Heather's the kind of person, you know her when you see her. You see her face and you're like, oh, I know her. That's because she's an author, a speaker, a veteran journalist. She's a former ABC News anchor and correspondent. She's an angel investor, so she knows a lot about entrepreneurship and startups. And she's the co-author of the acclaimed book, Geek Girl Rising, Inside the Sisterhood Shaking Up Tech, which has been praised by people as diverse as Ariana Huffington, Bravo TV, and the MIT Technology Review. That's pretty awesome. She's also taught part-time at Columbia's Graduate School of Journalism since 2012. And to top it off, she's a mom of twin tweens. Try saying that five times fast. Anyway, she's a busy lady, and we're so happy to have her here. Heather, welcome. Thanks, Liz. I'm so excited to talk with you. Me I'm too. a huge fan, by the way, of Cool Mom Picks and have been since the beginning, which I think you know. So, Oh, you're so great. And you know, the one thing I didn't say in your bio is that we were in a show together. Yes, my <laughs> theatrical debut, my, my one and only. Mine too. <laughs> we read great short stories and essays that we'd all written about parenthood, and you were so amazing. And I remember thinking, okay, she's a pro. I got to step up my game. Oh, you and Kristen. Well, you and Kristen were both in the show. I thought it actually was a fantastic cast. And I I think that they're still doing those shows around the country. For the um, listeners who don't know, it's a program called Expressing Motherhood. And the woman who founded it solicits writing from moms from around the country. And she creates these showcases where you get up on stage and you perform your writing. And, um, you know, it's very vulnerable. I felt very vulnerable being up there. But I, I love meeting you guys. And um, it, was a, it was an amazing experience. Yeah, I, you put it perfectly. Very vulnerable. And I'm glad you brought them up because talk about moms using their experience and translating that into a business idea or a startup. That's basically what you're writing about in Geek Girl Rising, which, oh my gosh, it's wonderful. It's really good. Thank you. So tell me, what inspired you to write it? Well, a number of different inspirations. Certainly for my co-author and myself, we both have kids. Neither one of us could be considered a techie at all, although we love technology. And as you know, I worked for Yahoo for a while and did all their digital lifestyle stuff. But I'm not a computer scientist, but my kids, you know, were obsessed with whether it was Minecraft or Lego Robotics or Scratch, and we did Hour of Code at school, and I think we both felt that the opportunities for our children could be amazing, but yet we didn't necessarily know how they would face the challenges. And um, I, I was familiar with the gender gap in tech because early, early in my career, one of my very first jobs, I worked on a PBS documentary about the gender gap and it came out in 1996. Wow. I know. So even in the early 90s, people were talking about the declining numbers of women going into computer science and engineering. Even then, you know, think about this, this was pre-Amazon pre-Facebook, pre-all of these things that now are just part of our day-to-day lives, um, even at that time, we saw the numbers declining. And of course, as you know, they continued to decline until very recently. In the last few years, now the numbers are starting to go up. But 
you know, in the late 80s, 37% of computer science degrees were going to women. And um, by the early 2000s, you know, we saw that dropping into the teens. And it's now coming back up again. I I think what was so interesting to us is we now live in this tech-enabled time, right? All of us have technology as just part of our daily lives. And when women, you know, dominate on social media and e-commerce and we use technology and yet we are not necessarily at the table building these products or having a say in these products of the future in the numbers that we should. And so that was kind of where we started from. That was the premise. We wanted to understand this gender gap, why it was persisting. And ultimately, as we went along in our reporting, what we really found exciting was as we were looking for women and looking for the stories, we realized that there were lots of success stories that hadn't been told. And there were lots of things that we could learn about women who actually had succeeded and were thriving in this very male-dominated world. And so that's where the sort of geek girl rising manifesto sort of came in that, you know, we we wanted to take those learnings from those women and share them with the rest of the world to hopefully crush the stereotypes of who actually can be successful in tech. And you know what? I'm so glad you brought up this notion that we don't identify as techies because we talk about that a lot on Cool Mom Tech, that our readers may not necessarily think, well, I'm techie, I'm into technology, I want to subscribe to this tech website's newsletter, but we're all using phones. Certainly everyone listening right now listens to podcasts. (laughs) We're all monitoring our kids' social media usage. We're on social media ourselves. Like, we are immersed in tech, as you said. And the book, really, it's about sexism and technology, media, entertainment, politics. It's about female solidarity and empowerment. It's about the grassroots change happening in the tech industry from women. Like, it's everything I love. (laughs) But it's interesting that you talk about women who aren't, quote, techie. So for our listeners who don't identify that way, what do you think they will get out of a book like Geek Girl Rising? Well, I think what we want Geek Girl Rising to be was really an invitation into the digital revolution. And to really touch on everything you just said, which is to take a step back and think about all of the aspects of your life that are reliant on technology today. And tech is not a separate thing anymore. And more and more, you know, with artificial intelligence, I mean, it is part of everything we do, even in ways we don't even realize. You know, our our point to people is, number one, there's a role for you in this. You don't have to be a coder to be involved in technology. Um, You don't have to be a computer scientist. Um, In fact, a number of the entrepreneurs that we profile in the book who have led some of the most successful startups are, are not computer scientists or engineers, but they are women who had great ideas and were confident and fearless and um, found people to work with them in their tech startups, you know, who, who had the expertise, you know, if I, I'll just off the top of my head, I think about Rent the Runway, you know? I yes, mean, I was literally on that site this morning. Right, you know, care.com. <laughs> I mean, these are women with amazing ideas trying to solve problems, not necessarily techies in the traditional sense of the word, and yet leading some of the most successful tech startups, and in the case of Care.com, a company that IPO. So I think that it's important for people to realize that there is a place for them there. And this, we're sort of taking back the word geek. You know, we really feel like the word geek means somebody who's smart and ambitious and interested and curious and serious about how smart she is and, and owning it. That That's what we think, you know, geek is really about. And actually, I, I'm so glad you brought up all the different types of people you interview and all these amazing stories and anecdotes you tell, because I think uh, readers of Cool Mom Picks are going to recognize a lot of them. Like you said, there's Rent the Runway and Sheila Marciano from Care, but also there's Carly Roney from The Knot and The Bump, which I imagine like everyone who's been married 
married or has a kid knows. The founder of Glam Squad, right? Alexander Wilkes Wilson. I Am Elemental gets a shout out in there. Goldie Blocks, Amanda Hesser of Food 52, Erin Newkirk of Red Stamp. These are so many companies that we wrote about them really early on because we've always been so committed to women-run companies and startups. Erin Newkirk, she is actually one of the real inspirations for this book. Oh, I love her so much. I love her. So what happened was I actually, when I worked for Yahoo, I used to do these TV segments, you know, on the Today Show and CBS Early Show and Martha Stewart, whatever. And I had featured Red Stamp on one of my segments. And she came to New York and she said, let's meet for coffee. You know, thank you so much for, you know, mentioning my, my company. I want to, I want to help you. And I said, really what I, what I'm looking for is I'm always looking for story ideas. And she said, well, I, I want to introduce you to a woman named Rachel Sklar. Oh, I love Rachel. (laughs) This is like my dream girlfriend dinner you're talking about right here. And this is back in, oh, I want to say this was in 2010. And she said, you know, Rachel's starting this listserv and it's for women who are in technology, women who are in media, um, women who are in business. And it's kind of this, you know, secret society of these, you know, badass women who are all helping each other. And she said, I think you would really find some amazing stories there and people you'd want to write about. And so I ended up joining the list. And that was really because of Aaron, sort of the beginning of the research for Geek Girl Rising, because I started realizing that there was this underground network of women who were helping each other. You know, whether it was making an introduction to the right investor or helping someone get an invitation to, you know, a certain party where they could network or um, recommending somebody for a job. These were all these things that were happening in this Google group. And I, I just thought it was so different from... I don't know, a different way of operating than the old boys network for sure. And I, I just, I found it fascinating. So thank you, Erin. She she knows, she, she got a shout out in the acknowledgements. You know, it's kind of the best of what women do, I think, in how we support each other. We always call it kind of a matriarchal model instead of a matriarchal model of business. And I remember back when I was in advertising, there was one agency in particular, which was known as a boys club and still is. And I remember women who worked there telling me they would literally miss meetings because they were not in the men's room at the time mm-hmm. when it was decided to have a meeting. I love the examples that you give of how women are nurturing and mentoring each other and supporting each other in in lieu of having like this decades old boys network. Do you have like any favorite anecdotes about that? One of my favorite stories, um, and you mentioned that I I have done some angel investing. And so I, I really wanted to devote a chapter to the women who are out there who are funding early stage companies led by women. I just I felt like that was really important. So One of my favorite stories was I went down to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I found out about this group of women, all different ages, who had decided to found their own fund, um, specifically to back women-led companies across the Southeast. The story is that, so Chattanooga, I don't know if you know this, but back in the day, which is really only about, I don't know, five or 10 years ago, it it was known for investing a lot of money in its broadband. And at one point, I don't know if this is still true today, but at one point it it had like the fastest broadband in America. And so, so the civic leaders there were really trying hard to attract startups. They wanted to create a whole startup ecosystem in Chattanooga. And so there were a number of venture firms that were starting and there were accelerators and pitch competitions. And there was a a couple of women there who um, were noticing that there were not a lot of women who were pitching in the startup competitions, not a lot of women in the accelerators, not a lot of female investors. And so they went to one of the largest um, venture funds in town that was run by men. 
And they said, you know, we're noticing that there aren't a lot of women in these uh, programs and we think that they're out there and we'd like to invest with you guys and try to help you with the deal flow so that um, we can help some of these companies. And the response basically was, well, we don't think that there are a lot of companies that are really out there that are, you know, sort of worthy of investment that are led by women in this part of the country. And secondly, we don't think that there are a lot of women like you who would actually be interested in investing. Mm. So that was kind of like the gauntlet was thrown down. And so this is amazing. Within six weeks, they raised two and a half million dollars wow. to start first fund all from local Chattanooga women. And they did it by I mean, just the way you can imagine the carpool line at school, yoga class, book club. I mean, they went out and they were like, you know, what? we're going to show these guys that women are interested in investing and are interested in supporting other women. And um, now I believe they're on their second fund. One of their companies that they invested initially was acquired by Amazon. I mean, they've done amazing things. I went down and spent a couple of days with these women. And the only way I can describe them is just badass. Um, (laughs) Just so smart, so committed. So they've expanded now to Beyond the Jump Fund is based in Chattanooga, but they now have syndicates in other cities. And I'm actually doing an event um, in Atlanta for Oracle in Las Vegas with one of the women that I met through the Jump Fund who is the lead for Golden Seeds, which is another angel network that I'm involved with. She's investing in women-led businesses um, in Atlanta and around the country. But, you know, women typically are very philanthropic, right? You know, we volunteer. I'd like to think so. I don't know the stats on it, but I would I would hope so. <laughs> what we write about in this chapter is this, this shift of in a mindset that is leading more women to become angel investors. That is to say, you know, rather than only thinking about if you have disposable income, you know, to put it into charitable organizations, to think about also investing it in women and diverse founders in general and making an impact in that way, in particular, in companies also that may even have a social impact and have a social mission. And so we, we cover that in, in that chapter. I'm really passionate about it. Another point we really try to make in the book, too, is that you don't have to live in Silicon Valley to launch a startup. I mean, there are amazing things happening in cities around the country. And in fact, for some people, for diverse founders, it actually can be easier sometimes to, to raise money in your backyard as opposed to going to Silicon Valley. So th- that's something that we cover as well. We really wanted to take it outside of, of Silicon Valley as well and to sort of show how people are finding opportunities in places you might not think. So where do you think the opportunities are now for women? You know, a lot of our listeners have really young kids and often having children is kind of a turning point in your life where it makes you reassess your priorities and what you're interested in, who you want to help, what your focus is. And it transforms a lot of women, motherhood does, and pushes them in a different career path. And that's what happened with us with Cool Mom Picks. So for our listeners who may have young kids and they're maybe thinking about going back to work or making a switch or starting a business, where do you think the opportunities are right now for women in particular? Well, I think we're seeing an incredible time of entrepreneurship. And I think that, you know, as much as you read about how hard it is for women to, you know, raise capital as startup founders, I do think that there is a lot of interest right now in helping women at that early stage. In fact, one of the things that I think is so amazing to see is the success women have had through crowdfunding, as opposed to sort of, you know, going the route of just, you know, traditionally raising money from venture capital, um, going and and if you have a fantastic idea, 
uh, kind of testing your proof of concept by putting it out there on a crowdfunding site like Kickstarter or I Fund Women, which is actually a, a crowdfunding site devoted to women-led businesses. But I think the other thing that's really important uh, for people to hear out there, we're in a time where people are obsessed with startups. Mm-hmm. And if you have a business idea, it doesn't necessarily have to be the next Facebook. I mean, if you have a great idea and you can make money at it and that supports your lifestyle, maybe you don't need investors. I and mean, I think that's also a really important thing is that oftentimes I think people take their eye off the ball of, you know, I just want to run a really great business. If there's a problem that you want to solve, that's where I would start. If there is something in your life that you feel is lacking, if there's a challenge that you face where you feel like you can possibly address that issue, that in itself is a great place to start. So I would say start there. Think about something in your backyard that is something that you feel like you might have a solution to. And then I would say just start. That's the other thing is that a lot of times people, they get wrapped up in, oh, my idea is not perfect or, you know, I'm not ready to put it out there. I would say put it out there, start working on it, find that sort of kitchen table cabinet of advisors to help you get smart on things that maybe you you don't necessarily know about. There are so many accelerators and programs out there, incubators and networking groups for women-led businesses today. It's really easy to get connected, even just online, especially if you have young kids and you can't get out to things. I think there are a lot of really amazing online resources. And then recognize that uh, whatever you're starting, you know, it it is a risk and understand that it it can be 24-7. But the flip side is that as a mom, you can have tremendous flexibility in your life. And if you put in the hard work in the beginning and you get it up and running, it can really be incredibly satisfying to, to your family life. What do you think? is holding women back who have dreams but um, are struggling with getting to the next level? Well, I think there's always a little bit of that imposter syndrome, you know, this idea that, you know, do I really have what it takes? But I think that pales in comparison to the giant systemic sexism yeah. <laughs> that we deal with in the innovation and, and on worlds of entrepreneurship. Um, I think that we have a long way to go. I mean, our book is really about as you said earlier, the grassroots movement to try to address some of these issues. But I think what's really important for people to understand is that this is a really complicated and nuanced problem. And we need to be working across the tech ecosystem to solve it. So yes, we need to inspire more girls and young women to think about careers in this space and to see themselves as the inventors and engineers and builders and problem solvers of tomorrow. That's huge. We need to have role models for them. We also need to make sure that we solve this capital crunch for female-led companies. The numbers, unfortunately, they haven't moved. Last year, I think it was in in 2017, only 2% of venture capital went to companies that had a woman on the executive team. Wait, what? 2% with a woman on the executive team at all? Not just like as the CEO or the top person? As a a co-founder. Oh, unacceptable. So that's where, you know, early stage investors who are interested in backing diverse founders. And by the way, it's not just women, but it's people of color as well who have a really hard time raising seed capital. So we need to have more people thinking that way and putting their resources behind those companies, helping those businesses along. We need to have more women at the decision-making table inside venture capital firms when these companies finally get to the stage that they're raising millions of dollars. You need to have women at, at the table there. And then you need to have women who are on the boards of these companies and people of color on the boards of these companies. So, you know, when they get to that stage that they're raising millions and millions of dollars, those VC firms, those private equity firms need to be thinking about who can we put on the corporate board of these companies that can really help oversee the culture. When we think about the future of innovation, you know, it's not just about 
gender, but it's about the culture that is created when you have people of diverse backgrounds starting these companies, leading these companies, they bring all of their experiences into that work environment. So if you only have people who have the same exact background who are starting these companies and leading these companies, there's a problem within the culture. It's just inherent. What I would like to see, and I, I think a lot of people are talking about, is you know supporting these underrepresented founders so that they can build these companies that have the cultures that are more conducive to having more different kinds of people within the company. So thinking about things like parental leave and inclusivity and all of these different kinds of things that come up when you have people with lots of different backgrounds making decisions. If you don't, if those people are not in the room, those conversations aren't really happening. Or if they are happening, it's they're happening because you know, well. It's so they're just paying lip service to it because, you know, the company wants to get, you know, better press or whatever. That is a fantastic and really important point. And, you know, with the midterms coming up in November, there's been so much coverage of the number of female candidates running for office this year. And there's a lot of discussion. And fortunately, you know, I'm glad it's happening during my daughter's lifetime (laughs) Mm -hmm. about how important it is to have more women in legislative roles because it necessarily informs our opinion, our values, and our life experience will shape laws, which impacts people. And I like that you're bringing that to the business world, too, because I think sometimes we forget it's not just about women not having opportunity in tech jobs or in Silicon Valley or as CEOs, but also the impact that all white male-run companies have as it trickles down into the world, that they, they're simply not seeing the world with diverse perspectives. You know, I think that's where companies like Uber have struggled. Like, yeah. have some women on your board, and then they finally brought someone in, and now they're having fewer issues. I'll take it one step forward, just to bring it around to what we were talking about living in this tech-enabled world where all of us can't live without our smartphones. Think about the fact that the majority of people who are building things that power all this technology that is part of our lives, that if you don't have people with diverse backgrounds who are actually building those products, then you're building bias, unconscious bias into those products. Think about artificial intelligence, right? Think about all of these different things that are now really woven into aspects of our lives where decisions are being made for us. Even something as simple as, you know, these virtual assistants like Alexa, you know, Mm -hmm. when you ask Alexa a question, what she serves up to you, somebody has to actually create that and program that and come up with those algorithms. If those people are all from the same background, do you think that that's going to incorporate lots of different diverse perspectives? It's just, it's not. Well said. Thank you, Heather. I think that's a fantastic place to end this, that, you know, we kind of have this responsibility, not just to ourselves and our own passions and dreams, but to get rid of bias by putting more perspectives out there into all kinds of companies and all kinds of startups and all kinds of businesses. Absolutely. So listen, where can we find you? I mean, besides obviously Amazon and bookstores everywhere where people can find Geek Girl Rising, but if our listeners have other questions about startups or investing or entrepreneurship or technology, where can they reach you? So uh, I write a regular column for Forbes. You can find me at Forbes.com and you can reach me at Heather at GeekGirlRising.com if you want to reach me directly or my Twitter handle is at Cab Adventures. You can always tweet at me and I'll respond. Um, and I'm sure you're on all the standard places, Heather.Cabot, right? On Instagram, you're on Facebook, Skype, Snapchat, wherever you want. Look for Heather Cabot. She is everywhere. And I promise you guys, you'll see her face and go, oh, I know her. <laughs> Thank you. So listen, you're going to stick around for our cool picks of the week, right? Yes. Excellent. We'll be back with that right after this. 
I am so happy to welcome our sponsor, Sunbasket, back to the show because I am a huge fan. I'm a busy parent. I know a lot of you are busy parents, and we know that sometimes dinner means eating what's left over from your kids' mac and cheese. Am I right? Or worse, sticking a hand in the cereal box. And yes, I've done this too much to mention. <laughs> but sometimes it's hard to find the time and energy to make sure you're eating well and eating right. Kristen's always yelling at me like, eat lunch, eat dinner, you forgot to eat. And look, sometimes I just forget or I don't make the time or honestly, I just put myself last. So Sunbasket, it is really good, you guys. It makes it easy to cook healthy, delicious, creative meals. It's just 30 minutes, which is like the magic number for me. It comes with pre-measured ingredients, organic produce delivered weekly, like everything literally is included. They sent me a box to check out last week, and here's the test. My picky 12-year-old ate Moroccan chicken for the first time, like ate it, loved it, finished it, and then asked if we could make it again. That's like a huge win for me. They also had this ricotta nudi, which is kind of like dumplings, ricotta dumplings like uh, gnocchi, and it was outrageous. But you get to choose the kinds of things you want. So there's paleo, gluten-free, vegan, Mediterranean, lean and clean, which I know Kristen likes. And there's even six family options. And you can specify how many meals you want, how many people you're cooking for each week. I highly recommend the Mediterranean. Really good stuff. Plus, all the produce is organic and the meats and seafood are responsibly raised. I know, by the way, that everything is organic because once I forgot to use a lemon and it was bad within a week. So <laughs> this is like the good stuff that you want to use fresh and right away. What's even better is Spawn's listeners get to save $35 off your first order at Sunbasket. All you have to do is go to sunbasket.com slash spawned today and learn more. And right away, you'll see a little button. You just click it and you'll get $35 off your first order. So again, sunbasket.com slash spawned for $35 off. So now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. Heather, since you are our guest, you got the pleasure of going first. Well, thank you. So my cool pick of the week is a series that I have to admit I binge watched. I couldn't stop watching it. Um, it's called Seven Seconds. It's on Netflix. It's starring Regina King. Um, it is a thriller. I don't want to give away the plot too much, but it basically it deals with uh, police corruption and race um, in Jersey City. And um, it's about a, a mother's struggle to find justice for her son. And I, I found it really compelling. And I, I, I just, given what's going on in the world today, um, I think that it, it just really resonated with me. And I think that, um, I think people will enjoy it. It's, it's heavy. I will say it is heavy, but it, it was enjoyable. But it's also, I, I don't think it's being um, picked up again, right? There's just one season. I don't know. I only watched the one season. I actually should check I it out. I think it was recently canceled and there's a lot of outrage because people love it. But, it, you know, on the plus side, that means if you guys are looking for a new binge show, it's not a huge commitment. <laughs> It's not like, yeah. I'll just watch all 18 seasons of Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> yeah. You know, the other show that I love that was also canceled was The Girls Revolt. I mean, that was like my favorite. Ah, that's been a, a cool pick of the week before as well. You oh. have great taste. And we always love anything we can binge is good. <laughs> it's nice when your kids are old enough that you can be like, go to bed, and then just watch TV for a really long time. And they won't wake up and come in your room in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. So my cool pick of the week is actually a book. This is a book for kids, though, not, you know, to compete with Geek Girl rising in any way. Um, it's a brand new book called Love is Love. It's by Michael Genhart and illustrated by Ken Min. And with Pride Month coming up next month, it is a beautiful 
book. It's put out by Source Books. And, you know, we were sent a copy of it. My kids took one look at it and they loved it. They're like, this is so good. This is so good. Like, even my 12 year old was really, you know, it's a picture book. She thought it was really beautiful. And it's just a, a sweet story of a boy who talks about how he's got problems because kids were laughing at his shirt, which has a rainbow flag on it. And they're teasing him. And they say, you're gay or your family's gay or you don't have a real family. And he talks about having two dads and what that means and what love means. And I think this book just does a beautiful job of helping all kinds of kids and all kinds of families feel like their family is an okay family. I love that. You can find it at sourcebooks.com, love is love, or you can just look on uh, Amazon. Make sure it's the one by Michael Genhart. The cover has a gorgeous rainbow heart made out of kites when you look really closely. It's just really sweet and beautifully illustrated, and I'm, I'm so happy to have a copy of it. So that's my cool pick of the week. Fantastic. Well, Heather, thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. Thanks, Liz. Well, that's it. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Spawned. And a huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. Kristen, huge thanks to you. You're out there somewhere sending me lots of support and we miss you, but we know you'll be back next week. And hey, to our listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. I love hearing from you. I know Kristen does too. So please leave us a review on iTunes. Always a nice way to hear from you. And make sure you subscribe. In fact, you can do it right now, this very second as you listen. I'll wait. I'll give you a few more seconds. Okay, good. Done. You subscribed. Thank you. And hey, you can even download our episodes so that you can listen to them when you're offline. Thanks so much for listening to Spawn. This is Liz. Have a great day.